0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 218 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports podcast network. Do you believe this is Chris Tripodi and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as always and bowl season is starting to wind down which means one thing Tony it's college football playoff time. It is some exciting
0: games there's some games you hope will be exciting uh I think there's the potential for a few blowouts but you know uh, I'm glad that Cincinnati's in this entire mix Uh, I think they're gonna their backs will be up against it and we'll explain why. And we'll get
1: to this week's show and all of that in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the rest of the NBA and football seasons and more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one
0: spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's
1: B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Despite reaching the playoffs, the two games Friday don't project to be nail biters. Alabama favored by 13.5 over Cincinnati with a 57.5 point over-under, and Georgia favored by 7.5 over Michigan with a much lower 45 and a half over under. You got to wonder
0: what the, uh, what the guys who set the odds have been watching, the way Michigan played the last two games of the year against Ohio State and then the Big Ten title game as well, and the way Georgia almost folded against
1: Alabama in that SEC title game. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and your home to bet on the college football playoff. online where the game starts. And we will start with the afternoon game, Alabama against Cincinnati. As we just mentioned, the Tide are big favorites in this one as the top-seeded team in the playoff against the first group of five team to make the college football playoff. And we'll start when Alabama has the ball, and that's where the top draft matchups lie. The first one to highlight has to be Jamison Williams against the Bearcats cornerbacks, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. The matchup would have been even better if John Mechie didn't get hurt in the SEC title game. But now we're going to see how good Jameson Williams truly is. 68 catches, over 1,400 yards this year. Ridiculous 15 touchdown catches. Seems like every game he broke a long touchdown. He's tall and lanky. Reportedly, though, runs a sub 4 four forty. ran a 4-4 in high school. So really the speed and the receiving skills are real here for Williams. But now he's going to be the focus, not just for Heisman quarterback Bryce Young, but for two legitimate NFL corners, both of whom also have the size to contend with him. Gardner is actually listed bigger than Williams, certainly doesn't give up any athleticism either. Big, big test for Jameson Williams here, and also for these corners against a potent passing game, albeit one that is missing a star of its own. Yeah, the corners as well as the two safeties for uh,
0: for Cincinnati that are, that are solid cover safeties, Brian Cook and Javon Hicks. Let's go back to Mechie for a second. I mean, had that... Terrible uh, injury during the SEC title game. I'm told if it's a clean tear, he could enter the draft and people still expect him to go in round two. Now, look at Gardner and look at uh, Bryant. Gardner's the bigger physical guy. You know, he, he's very mouthy. He's very arrogant, but he plays, you know, arrogant football. He makes a lot of pass breakups. The issue with for Gardner is he struggles making plays with his back to the ball, which I think absolutely will give uh, not only uh, Williams, but the quarterback, Bryce Young, an advantage because Williams can run down the field. And if, uh, if Gardner cannot turn around and find the ball, that's going to be an issue. When he matches up against Kobe Bryant, Bryant probably has better ball skills or at least better techniques than Gardner and his ability to get his head back around, track the pass in the air, but he doesn't have the speed. And that's going to be a mismatch problem there. So I, I, you got to give advantage to uh, Williams here. You got to give the advantage to Alabama here, even though they're missing uh, John Meche, uh, and it's good the Bearcat the secondary and their corners are going to be really challenged like no other
1: time this season. Now moving into the trenches, where Evan Neal, left tackle for Alabama, is the top prospect in this game. Freak athlete with great size, moved to left tackle this season to replace Alice Leatherwood, who was drafted in the first round by the Las Vegas Raiders and really held it down in his first year at the position, just confirmed his high-end draft stock. And often he's probably going to be facing off in this game unless Cincinnati moves him away from Neil. Majai Sanders, defensive end, more of a stand-up guy because he gives up 100 pounds, literally 100 pounds, to Evan Neal. He's also coming off a bit of a down season, statistically at least, just two and a half sacks, did have 10 pressures, and batted down five passes. So still made an impact in the game, but regardless You have two players who are kind of moving in different developmental directions here. And Neil is a guy that has the athleticism to neutralize Sanders best asset while Sanders just can't physically match. Neil's strength looks like a mismatch on paper, but if Sanders can play well in this spot, it's going to be really big for his draft stock.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people thought Sanders should have entered last year's draft where he would have been an early second round pick. He moves towards this year's draft. Why is it early to mid uh, second round pick? Couple of things about Evan Neal. I mean, there is a lot of love for him in the internet world. A lot of people have the New York Jets taking him with one of their early first round picks. I absolutely agree with you. He really stepped it up, played well at right tackle in 2020, moved to the left side. It was seamless. But you talk to some people in the league and they feel that Evan Neal may have to kick inside to guard at the next level. Sort of the way Alex Leatherwood did, although Alex Leatherwood moved to guard this year because he was so terrible at tackle after the Raiders reached for him. I'd like Evan Neal at, at tackle. I agree with you. It, it should be a big mismatch uh, in his favor. The thing about Neal is, you know, he has 100 pounds on MyJ Sanders, but he's also very athletic. He shows good footwork. He shows good lateral range. So when they are matched up, Sanders is going to have to create ways to get past Evan Neal whether it's with outside moves, whether it's with an inside jab or something like that, whether it's, you know, trying to uh, take a wide angle around them, he's going to have to create ways to get past Neil. But again, you know, with Luke Fickle, they're very creative. So I could see him running some zone blitzes because Sanders has the athleticism to play off the line of scrimmage. He has the ability to get out to the flanks in pursuit. You can do a lot of different things with Sanders as you rightly said, plays defensive end in college, but is more of a stand-up 3-4 type outside linebacker
1: in the NFL. Now, it's not just the passing game and in the trenches where we find intriguing matchups in this game. Alabama running back Brian Robinson Jr. had a solid campaign filling Najee Harris's shoes. Kind of fits the mold of a lot of Alabama backs over the recent years. Feature back size, solid athleticism, receiving ability. And then you have tied tight ends Cameron Latu, who is a converted defensive end had 299 receiving yards and six touchdowns in his first year at the tight end position. And he kind of really stunted the development of Jaleel Billingsley who was seemingly a Nick Saban's doghouse all year, just 16 catches 244 yards and three scores still a talented player though. And an intriguing NFL prospect and this trio is going to see a lot of a Cincinnati trio on the other side, Darian Beavers at linebacker and the two safeties Tony mentioned earlier, Brian Cook, and Javon Hicks, or at least he mentioned Cook. Beavers is kind of like Zayvon Collins last year in terms of he is a throwback size type of linebacker. He's over 250 pounds, but he can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He can make plays in coverage. He's a good all-around player. So expect to see a lot of him against Robinson and the tight ends. Cook and Hicks at safety, nice size. Cook certainly more productive this season. Probably has the better chance to go in the late rounds than Hicks does. Break down these guys for us, Sony. Yeah, I I mean, Beavers gets a lot of
0: love in the scouting uh, community. Like you said, he's got terrific size. He's a good football player. I just don't know how good of an athlete he is. Uh, Came into the season with free agent grades. Now you're looking at a midday three guy. Uh, It's going to be very tough for him, I believe, to stay with any of those tight ends of Alabama, whoever they put on the field in coverage, just from an athletic point of view, sort of like the way uh, Williams has got an athleticism advantage on the Cincinnati corners. Uh, I think that the Alabama tight ends, I've got a, uh, an athletic advantage over Beavers. Joel DeBlanco, you didn't mention, more of a two-down inside linebacker. So I, I think there will be opportunities for Bryce Young to hook up with, the, uh, with his tight ends in that middle field area uh, when, when
1: situations arise because of those mismatches. Now, flipping sides of the ball here, a bit less intrigue in terms of matchups on the side of the ball, but there's still intrigue nonetheless in terms of prospects. Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter, dual-threat quarterback who many love around the industry. We're a bit tepid on him here, just struggles too much with accuracy at times, especially down the field and out to the sidelines. But, as always, a good game here against a team like Alabama in a situation where many people aren't expecting Cincinnati to have a lot of success certainly would help his draft stock. It's really unfortunate, though, that Josh Job got hurt the corner for Alabama because his size against the size of Ritter's top target Wide receiver Alec Pierce would have been a fun matchup to watch. Was interested to see those two go at it. So unfortunately, Job won't be playing in this game due to injury. Left tackle James Tunstall should see a lot of fight Arian Mathis, a versatile defensive lineman who plays the run well, also had eight sacks this year. Linebacker Christian Harris for Alabama could be a key in slowing down Ritter a bit as a runner. But the guy you can't miss, much like a Michigan defender that we're going to discuss shortly, Will Anderson. 90 tackles this year. But not only 90 tackles, 31 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks. Tony, I am not sure I have ever seen a player with that many tackles for loss in a season. And it really shows on the field, too, because every game he is making multiple plays in the backfield. I think he only had three games this year with less than two tackles for loss. Two of those were the first two games of the season. So really, since the third game of the season, he has been unbelievable and really might see some of Tunstall as well off the edge but really that's a matchup with both him and Mathis that I'd expect both of these Alabama defenders to win. And he's only a, he's only, he's only a true
0: sophomore. So he's not even draft eligible. So, you know, you got to hope that his you got to think anyway, that his best football is ahead of him. And, and this is where the mismatch really lies and where this game could fall out of hand early in Alabama's favor. And that is that Alabama defensive front seven Chris was talking about against the Cincinnati offensive line that, is good, but they're not great. I, I mean, they're they're they are guys who I don't know what their next level potential is. You're not going to have any guy who's going to enter any, any of these Cincinnati Bearcat offensive linemen who went through the draft early. Uh, you, you mentioned Alec Pierce, who's watched his draft stock skyrocket. Could fall into day two if he runs well at the combine of pre-draft workouts, and I'm told that's exactly what he's going to do. You mentioned how Billingsley is in the doghouse because of lack of production. Josh Weil came into the season. I graded him as a third round pick. Did not have the production that a lot of people were hoping for. But then again, he wasn't really targeted all that much. And that's because Desmond Ritter just kept looking to Alec Pierce, who was his number one target, who made all kinds of uh, crazy catches at times and catches in big moments for games. And I, you know, like you said, with Ritter, Ritter's draft stock is going to be determined at the senior bowl because he's athletic. He's got a big arm. But a lot of times you don't know where the ball is going to end up. And too many times he has wide open receivers uh, working too hard to come away with ordinary receptions. One guy we got to mention is Jerome Ford, the running back, the Alabama transfer, who I'm sure will be looking for a little bit of revenge, who's had a tremendous year. Redshirt junior, I'm told he's going to enter the draft. He is a grinded out, pounded type of running back who has a terrific burst. If you've ever seen him, when there's any bit of clear uh, space or clear field, he's able to beat defenders into the open field and run the daylight. You know, if that Cincinnati offensive line can open some holes against what is a really good, as usual, Alabama front defensive seven, uh, I I think that Ford uh, will will take uh, advantage of the opportunity. You know, DJ Dale, the nose tackle is more of an athletic guy, Christian Harris, who I had highly rated coming in the season. He's been up and down. He's been really good at times, but then he disappears. Jordan Battle, a strong safety for Alabama, who I'm told is going to enter the draft. Again, if this game gets out of hand early, it's because the Cincinnati offensive line cannot handle the Alabama defensive front seven.
1: Now onto the nightcap here, a game that in theory should be more competitive between Georgia and Michigan. Obviously the main attraction here. Wolverines defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, a candidate to go number one overall in April's draft. He's got size, athleticism, a motor that doesn't stop production. I mean, really he has everything that you want in a high draft pick. He shows up every single Saturday and probably going to show up every single Sunday once he reaches the NFL as well. Tasked with slowing Hutchinson, it's going to be Georgia left tackle, Jamari Salyer, good size, athleticism is definitely where Hutchinson has the advantage here. In addition to just general skill and overall ability, but Salyer, like we've said a couple of times already, a guy who can definitely help himself here. If he can even slow down Hutchinson a little bit and give him trouble. You know, he projects the guard at the next level.
0: He's probably playing over his head at left tackle, but he's one of those prospects that just gets the most from his ability, finds ways to make plays, uses great body positioning. I agree with you. It's going to be a good matchup. I, you know, I know people love Hutchinson. I don't think he's super explosive. And at times all he does is he ducks his head and, and bull rushes opponents up the field. I don't think he's going to be able to do that against Salier. So we'll see if he's able to round out his game. You know, the question is, does Hutchinson show any sort of variety of moves rather than just the bull rush move against Salier? And then the question for Salier is, can he get out off the edge when Hutchinson rushes around the edge? to either stop him or at least knock him from his angle of attack uh, and and keep
1: his passer upright. Now, elsewhere, when Georgia has the ball, watch the running game. Running backs, Zamir White and James Cook. Cook is the more explosive back of the two, both as a receiver and running outside tackles, while White, more of the inside banger, has good size. Just an average athlete, though, at best. I personally prefer Cook for the next level. Skill set just fits more offenses, and, and overall, he's a more dynamic player. If you look on the Michigan side here, safety Brad Hawkins and linebacker Josh Ross are two players who are going to look to slow white and cook. They've got similar size, despite playing different positions, meaning Hawkins, bigger safety, Ross, more of a smaller linebacker. Also keep an eye on wide receiver, George Pickens against cornerback Daxton Hill. This is of course, assuming that Pickens does clear the COVID-19 protocols Been a lost season really for Pickens due to injury. Now obviously test positive for COVID, but, if he gets back on the field, a big bowl game could put him back on people's minds once again.
0: Also, don't forget Michigan nose tackle Chris Hitton, who really took it to Linderbaum in that Big Ten championship game, the highly rated center from Iowa. He's quick. He's explosive. He's got the bloodlines. His dad uh, was a, an all-pro tackle for years in the NFL. Very explosive. A guy who makes Hutchinson's job a little bit easier because he tracks double teams uh, blocks. Uh, in in the middle of the line. Uh, I agree with you. There's a lot of love for James Cook in the scouting community. You're looking at a mid-day three pick right now. Uh, Zamir White, more of your straight line type of guy, does show the ability to uh, turn the corner on ability, but doesn't have the great breakaway speed.
1: Now, when Michigan has the ball, the trenches are the place to watch. Bulldogs, defensive tackles, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt are game-wreckers on the inside, especially the massive Davis. But Wyatt... Himself, he would be the best defensive tackle on really the majority of teams in Division One. Michigan center Andrew Vistardis and right tackle Andrew Stuber could see a lot of this duo, but especially Vistardis. Skill set meshes a bit more with Wyatt than Davis. Davis really has the potential to overpower Vistardis at the point with his 35-pound advantage, but we'll see if Vistardis can hold up against Davis. When he goes up against Wyatt, though, similarly sized players, both move well, both pretty athletic. So I'd say that would probably be the better like-for-like matchup. But again, Vistardis, if he performs well against Davis as well, only going to help him in the eyes of NFL scouts. You know, which Georgia defense is going to show up? The one that just tormented
0: opponents uh, during the regular season or the one that got run over by uh, in the SEC championship game and got hammered by Alabama? You know, uh, Michigan's got a tremendous running back in Hassan Haskins. And if you watch that Ohio State game, Whatever a lot of people thought Ohio State was going to win. Michigan offensive line just pushed the Ohio State defense up and down the field. Ohio State could not get a a, a stop when it needed. And it was Haskins who was, you know, basically running through that uh, that Ohio State defense. Now, the Georgia defensive line is head and shoulders above the Ohio State defensive line and they played it. But again, they're coming off a downer. You mentioned the Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Uh, Trayvon Walker is is a, is a real good uh, defensive end who can also play the run. Well, you know, the fact that Adam Anderson, who's suspended because of accusations off the field, accusations is not in this game is a big blow to uh, Georgia, because I think that would have uh, given them an outstanding pass rusher off the
1: edge. Now, speaking of Haskins, Tony, I mean, 20 touchdowns this season, it's got great size, you know, size to be a featured back, whether he has the the overall skill set to be one is a bit in question, more of a downhill runner than one to threaten the corner. Hasn't been used much as a receiver at Michigan, but this Michigan passing game isn't exactly blowing the doors off of anybody. So it doesn't mean that he can't succeed as a receiver, just that so far he hasn't this season, him and Blake Corum, who had 11 touchdowns of his own, becomes in a bit smaller and shiftier going to see a lot of the Georgia linebackers, specifically Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker. Walker's got better size, Dean a bit more productive in coverage and more experienced, but both of these guys are really athletic. Nolan Smith's a solid number three type of linebacker as well. I mean, these guys are going to have to fly around the field, but also they're going to have to play strong in the box to really stop this Michigan ground game.
0: The thing about Haskins is, yeah, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's smart. He's got great vision. He knows how to use his box. He finds ways to beat opponents mentally as well as as he does physically. Reminds me of David Montgomery when Montgomery was at Iowa State. I I mean, just finds ways to, you know, create yardage, even though he's not the the quickest or the fastest guy in the world. Uh, All three Georgia linebackers have next level stuff. I mean, Kobe Dean, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but he plays big football. You said he is explosive. He's good in pursuit. He's a forceful uh, blitzer, and he plays much bigger than his listed size. Walker covers a lot of area on the field. I think Nolan Smith is a bit underrated. And they've got some good players in that secondary as well, Christopher Smith and and Lewis Seen, who is headed to the draft after this, who will also help out uh, to stop Haskins against the run. I I guess the thing you've got to wonder is, did Michigan and their quarterback, Cade McNamara, learn anything from Bryce Young? in that SEC title game? And are they going to try and emulate or duplicate anything that Bryce Young did to really beat down uh, what is a terrific, should have been a terrific Georgia defense in that
1: SEC title game? Yeah, certainly a big drop from a guy like Bryce Young in the Alabama passing game to Cade McNamara and the Michigan passing game. But since you mentioned it, the Georgia secondary does have some players as well. We certainly don't want to dismiss that part of this defense. Should be able to make life a bit difficult. Michigan since you know that passing game can be a bit up and down usually just isn't needed because they run all over teams but Darian Kendrick at corner uneven season this year for sure but there's a lot of talent in Darian Kendrick and this could be a scenario where his inconsistencies are a bit overshadowed by the fact that Michigan isn't the type of team that's going to expose those inconsistencies then you mentioned Christopher Smith at safety as well in the secondary anybody else you're watching here Tony
0: no, not really. I, I mean, I think the best cornerback uh, for Georgia is not going to be on the field. Tyke Smith of West Virginia was never really healthy this season. And when he got back on the field, had a season-ending uh, injury. So that is a big blow to what is a, uh, a terrific uh, Georgia uh, defense. Uh, Lewis Sign is a guy who can make plays against the run and the pass. So on those few rare t- occasions where Michigan tries to throw the ball down the field, keep an eye on him, like I said, he's headed towards the draft. I'm told right now, fourth, maybe third
1: round for scene. And that's it for the 218th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Blee Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back later this week to wrap up the final several games on the bowl schedule. But until then, I'm half of Tony Pauline. I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to
0: your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.